podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Week five is in the books, and I'm not sure we know anything more about this conference than we did the week before. I am Philip Slavin, and this is the 1012 Podcast, a podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. No Chris Ross today, some scheduling issues. They are what they are. But we do have two guests, Andy Mitz, Land Grant Gauntlet, and Rock Chalk Pod joins the show, as does Joel Penfield from Cowboys Ride for Free. We're going to recap the Big 12's four games this weekend. We learned a few things, and we have takeaways for each game. That's three takeaways per game times four. That's 12 takeaways. That's 12. Should be pretty good. It is good. It's a fun interview. We've got quite a bit to talk about, so I'm going to try and make this quick. There are no more Big 12 football games on ESPN Plus at this point. Maybe they'll add some. I get the feeling that they won't. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't still go ahead and get signed up. Plenty of men's and women's non-conference and conference basketball games. Those schedules are coming out. You'll see an ESPN Plus on them. If you are a fan of your team's basketball squad, get ESPN Plus now. It's just $4.99 a month. It's cheap. It's got good content. You want to get weekly recaps of your team's game from the previous week? It's on there. Just go ahead and get yourself signed up. It's real simple. Visit our Twitter account at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. There is a tweet pinned to the top. Click the link in it. Get signed up. It's $4.99. Clicking that link helps us out. doesn't cost you anything extra beyond the normal $4.99. Just need to be transparent and make Chris happy. So, 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast on Twitter. Find the tweet pinned to the top. Click the link. Get yourself signed up. And enjoy all the awesome Big 12 Now content on there. Week five in the books, eight teams were in action this past weekend, and there were some surprising outcomes and some not so surprising outcomes. Joining me today, Andy Mitz of Land Grant Gauntlet and Rock Chuck Pod and Joel Penfield of Cowboys Ride for Free. Boys, welcome to the show. Thanks. No, thank you for having me. 
So let's let's just do this. We're going to each give our one big takeaway from each of the games. And let's start with the, I, I think, the most lopsided of all of them. Texas Tech going to Oklahoma. OU winning 55-16, to 16, and, it, and it didn't even really feel that close. Andy, I'm going to let you go first on this one. What was your what was your one big takeaway from that game? My big takeaway from the game was just how much Texas Tech misses Alan Bowman. Uh, they were not really able to get anything going um, until late, and it seemed like everything had kind of been, you know, given up. I mean, uh, I mean, they they were able to score a little bit early, but it almost seemed like, you know, Oklahoma um, had taken their foot off the gas pretty quickly into the uh, second quarter of that one. Now, granted, I wasn't able to watch this one as closely as I would normally uh, like to. I was busy melting down with the KU-TCU game. Um, but, yeah, I just it, it, it seemed pretty apparent to me that Texas Tech was not able to get anything going without their star quarterback. Yeah, Joel, what was your, uh, what was your one big takeaway? Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm going kind of along the same lines. Like, Alan Bowman is fantastic for Texas Tech, and you can see just how significant the drop-off in their offense is without him. I mean, Jet Duffy played a little bit last year when Alan Bowman was hurt and really wasn't effective at all. Jackson Tyner made one of his first uh, starts of his career, and no one that they put in there was really able to be effective for their offense at all. So unless Bowman can get back healthy, it looks like Texas Tech probably will miss a bowl game when they were probably looking at least at a six- or seven-win season likely heading into the season. So my my one thing is this, and and I've, I've been trying to figure out if OU's defense is good this season or not. And through four games, I'm still not sure I have a legitimate answer. And part of that is they haven't faced a good team yet. Um, I thought Tech would give them a challenge, but obviously, as we've talked about, Bowman was out and Duffy just wasn't up to the challenge. And I think OU's defense, I, I watch from what I've watched of Oklahoma, I think their defense is better. They are more disciplined than they, than they were the past few years. And they're doing the small things better. You know, they don't seem as confused on the field. They're not having to look to the sideline as much. But I'm still not sure what's going to happen to this OU defense when they face a legitimate offense. And I, I'm excited to see that, and I'm I'm interested to see that because that's been the difference to me between whether or not OU can win a national championship under Lincoln Riley or not. And I came away from this game going, I think I still think this defense is better than it has been. But I just, I still just don't have enough evidence that it's significantly better. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard at this point because you're right; they haven't really faced an offense that I think is worth talking about. Um, you know, and and I, I would have said that we would get maybe a sneak peek uh, when they play Kansas coming up next week. But um, as we'll talk about in just a minute here, you know, Kansas is missing some very potent. Uh, offensive players and so it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to put up a fight at all uh you know, so yeah it's we're going to have a hard time seeing Oklahoma go up against what we know is a good offense um so it's going to be a question of you know like if they completely shut down Kansas next week is it because the Oklahoma defense is really good or is it because Kansas is now missing one of their stars on offense so let's talk about that Kansas TCU game. Andy, obviously you covered the Jayhawks. A, please tell me who this player is that's out on offense because I hadn't seen that news. And B, just what was your takeaway from this game? So the news uh, concerning the Jayhawks is that Khalil Herbert did not play against TCU. Um, it was recently cited as personal reasons, and a lot of people were wondering what was going on there. 
the news started to trickle out probably midway through the second quarter that it looked like he actually has decided to redshirt the rest of the year and is probably going to transfer outside of the program, take a graduate transfer and play somewhere next year. Um, complete shock to everybody involved. We found out from the players and actually I wrote an, an article that should be going up on Land Grant Gauntlet. Um, it, it should be up there by the time this actually comes out podcast wise. Um, you know, it looks like he did not inform anybody from the team until the night before, and it was just the coaches. He did not talk to any of the other players at all. They all found out, like, right before they went out to the field to start the game. Um, and so the question is, you know, Kansas offense was absolutely nothing to talk about at all against TCU. And a lot of people, I think, attributed to that to the fact that TCU has such a great defense. Um, but I'm wondering how much of that was kind of the shock of realizing that you're one of your senior leaders, a guy who had just been voted a captain on this team, um, decided to up and quit on the team with absolutely no warning. Um, so we'll see, you know, how they do next week. But I, I think that the fact, you know, their leading rusher is Khalil Herbert, and he is now gone. Uh, he is the only guy that has been consistent in every single game that he's played so far this year. Uh, and so I'm really wondering what the Jayhawks are going to do from this point on. So when I look at this game, and I, I saw the final score, I wasn't able to watch it, but when I saw the final score, I saw 51 points from TCU. I think this is the only time we'll see them get anywhere close to that again. I, I don't think their offense is that great. I mean, obviously they're playing Kansas, so there's, you know, take with that what you will, but I think they at least have found a little bit of consistency at quarterback, but we still saw almost equal reps between Dugan and Delton. So if this this could end up being a situation when they play a better defense of we have two quarterbacks, we so we don't have a quarterback, their defense is going to be able to carry them, but I'm curious if they're able to find any sort of consistency with their offense and be able to put up points like this against better teams. And if they are, then look out. But if not, then they're going to still struggle offensively. Their defense is still going to be able to keep them in games. Yeah, yeah. just to jump in again real quick there, because you were talking about the two different quarterbacks. Um, they were up 35 nothing like halfway through the second quarter, okay. um, which, is when, which, which is when Dugan came out. Uh, it was because Kansas was not able to stop them a single bit at all. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that Drew Prox got injured in the game against West Virginia last week. Um, his, his, he had a shoulder injury. There was some question about whether he was going to play. It turns out he was not able to go. And he is their best, their best tackler. He's the leading tackler for the team. By far the leading guy in the run game. And, t and TCU was able to just run all over the Jayhawks because they had absolutely nobody that could stop them. I don't know how much I can take away from this game. And, and part of me is this. We knew Kansas was going to be a, you know, if they took steps forward, it was going to be a two steps forward, big step back. A few steps forward, big step back. And you saw two steps forward to me in both Boston College and the West Virginia game. And this, this I, we probably should have seen a step back coming. Um, obviously, TCU, revenge factor, having lost to Kansas last year. Um angry that they lost to their rival last week against SMU and came into this game hungry for a win. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what happened. But yeah, for Kansas to come away from the shell shock of not having Herbert, they've lost their best tackler. I kind of wonder if does losing Khalil Herbert wreck this season? Because if you're losing your best guy and a, and a, and a senior captain, that is, I mean, that that's, that's brutal to a team. And it's not just about the impact on the field, but that's the impact of how do you how, how do you react to your best guy basically saying, you know what, I quit. And, and I'm not trying to say that like he can do whatever he wants. I, I don't I don't 
these these players need to make the decisions they think are best for them, whatever that may be. But it is quitting on your team. And as someone who was elected a captain, that's that's tough to handle. I'm curious if Puka can can kind of rebound and become the guy we all thought he was going to be heading into the season because so far he hasn't. And how does Kansas react to this moving forward now that they're aware of what their situation is? Because I don't, man, that's, it felt like Kansas was going to have a nice season. Uh, Three, four wins would have been nice to me. Um, Now I kind of look at this Kansas team and I don't mean to overreact to one week, but those are a couple of, of big losses. Can they rebound? Or are these just the, the little bits of things that happen that, that start to, to really hurt this season and this team moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think their only legitimate shot at a, at a win, looking at it right now, would be against the Texas Tech team that doesn't gel. You know, if Alan Bowman comes back and has problems coming back fully, like, they are definitely going to be underdogs in the rest of the games this year, deservedly so. Um, and, you know, it's going to be real tough for them to, to eke out another win here. It's either going to take another team completely falling apart or them getting a monumental rallying, you know, cry. Now that they've had an opportunity to absorb some of these losses, you know, get, get a guy like Drew Prox come back and just completely surprise somebody as they rally to try to, you know, get one more big win for the, for the team. Um, the guy that they'll rally around will be senior quarterback Carter Stanley. He's the kind of guy who has been able to rally these guys in the past. We saw that with the Texas win in, in 2016. Um, you know, so if, if they're able to do it, it will be because of the leadership of a guy like Carter Stanley, who, to be honest, is probably the biggest leader on this team anyway. Khalil Herbert has been the most consistent performer, but he was just recently named a captain. I think everybody's kind of rallying around Carter Stanley, and hopefully now that they've had a chance to absorb it, um, that they can get something positive going. I still don't expect them to be, you know, competitive in the rest of their games or anything like that. They still have a huge hill to climb here, but there's at least hope that they can do something by rallying around Stanley and, and some of the other seniors that they do have and at least be competitive in some of the games moving forward. So let's talk about the most surprising game of the weekend to me. Baylor beating Iowa State 23-21. And I say surprising because of how the game played out. I think, you know, Baylor was the betting fate of it early. The, the line moved toward Iowa State. Uh, Baylor was at home. Baylor was the undefeated team. But based off of preseason expectations, I mean, we all thought Baylor could have a really nice season based off of the fact that they had so many home games. But Iowa State was a, you know, they were the number three pick to begin the season. A lot of people really liked Iowa State. I think there's people who thought Iowa State could make the Big 12 title game this year. And after a just offensive explosion against ULM, they seemed to kind of uh, revert back to weeks one and two. Joel, I don't know how much of this game you got to watch, but what was your big takeaway from it? So my big takeaway, unfortunately, I was not able to watch. But from what I gathered from social media and, you know, being able to look at the box score and things like that, I don't know how to feel about either team because I did have pretty high expectations for Iowa State coming into the season. I thought they were a team that was going to win eight, nine games, you know, even more possibly. Uh, They, you know what Brock Purdy was able to do for that offense last year and what Matt Campbell's been able to do for that program told me that they were ready to take that next jump, but they really haven't, you know, been able to play up to expectations outside of playing ULM where they dropped 70. Okay, great. But you lose that game at home to Iowa in brutal fashion and you're able to come back in a game like this, but you give it away at the end when defense is really what your program is built around after rallying from 20 points down. 
I feel like we just need a temporary expectations with Iowa State that maybe this isn't the year. Perhaps it's 2020, but this is still a team that can be dangerous, but I don't think they are at the level that we all thought they were going to be yet. And then for Baylor, I'm, I'm with you. I thought they were going to be able to have a nice season. They had a really favorable schedule, but you go up 20 nothing on a team. You should be able to put them away. And you give up three touchdowns, three straight touchdowns in the fourth quarter for them to take a lead. Now you get the game-winning field goal, but that tells me that maybe, again, temper our expectations with what Baylor's done to this point as well. So I don't think either – I think this told me a little bit about each team, but not enough that I can really – say that this team is really good or this team is really bad, if that makes sense. So I I watched this game because I, I, once I saw the halftime score, I watched the entire second half. And I'll, and I'll say this. Iowa State started playing better in that fourth quarter, and Baylor's defense was getting tired. You could tell. The heat was getting to – they were getting tired. And that, that third touchdown drive – uh, Baylor started making mistakes that helped Iowa State. And, and I could make the argument if while Iowa State's offense finally seemed to start clicking, Baylor's defense got tired and started making mistakes, and Iowa State was able to take advantage of it to try and retake that lead 21-20 before Baylor eventually won. But I, I came away impressed by Baylor's defense because I know Iowa State's offense hasn't been great, but I think Baylor's defense performed better against Iowa State than even Iowa's did. And it's just I did not expect that from Baylor this year, like at all. They've 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 not been a good defensive team these first few years under Matt Rule, and this was probably the one of the more impressive defensive performances I've seen from them in his time there. And you know, I I, I almost I, my think my big takeaway is this: Baylor is better than we thought they were, and I think Iowa State is what we saw of them in weeks one and two. And week three at this point was the outlier. I think Baylor is better than we thought. I don't know how much better that is, um, but it wouldn't shock me if Baylor's in the finishes in the top half uh, at the end of the season of the conference, but finishes higher than I think we all expected. Yeah, I mean, I from this game, I, I think I agree with you that the defense of Baylor was probably the most impressive unit from this entire thing. Um, you know, quick, quick shout out to the kicker. He, uh, he made his first field goal ever was the game winning field goal for Baylor, um, which is, you know, a hell of a time to get your first field goal ever. Um, but in terms of, you know, Baylor was a team coming into the year that I thought was kind of similar to Texas Tech and that you knew that their offense could put points up. You were wondering about their defense. It wasn't quite as drastic as the difference between the two. Um, in terms of Texas Tech, you're like, you knew they had a really high-functioning offense and really, really huge questions on defense. Baylor was similar in, 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 in sort of the same way, but their first three opponents didn't really give you an opportunity to truly evaluate how good their defense was. I, I think Iowa State having that huge explosion last week made people think that their offensive issues were solved and, and were, were ready to move forward. But we saw Baylor able to expose you know, the problems that Iowa State has, like you said, until they got kind of tired out, um, which means that, you know, I definitely take much more stock in the Baylor defensive performance than I do in Iowa State even coming back in this game. It really was a case of, you know, Baylor as they get better conditioned and are able to kind of gel and, and maintain that through the rest of the, of the game, um, they are much better poised, I think, to continue. And, and improve throughout the rest of the year. Whereas I, I have serious questions about Iowa State's offense. Like 
they looked completely lost in this game even until Baylor just completely wore out. And so, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with Brock Purdy and, and the rest of that Iowa State defense. I mean, I'm sorry, I, Iowa State offense. It seems like, you know, the playmakers that they're missing are a much bigger piece than I think people were prepared to talk about coming into the year. Um, there was a lot of expectation that Purdy was going to be able to kind of paper over some of the issues they had with losing big playmakers. They need some wide receivers. They need some running backs to step up and give Purdy some help because he cannot do this entirely on his own. Yeah, I said all offseason, I thought that people were downplaying the loss of David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler too much. And at this point, uh, I'm going to pat myself on the back and say, and especially in this game, that was apparent. They are absolutely missing those guys. And I, and I know we've we've talked to Levi Stevenson from White Art Natty Light, and there's some young guys that they're really high on. But at this point, they have been unable to really step up and answer the call and, pro- and provide the just the level of of play that Butler and Montgomery did the past couple of years. Like they just, I think those two, it was a little, I don't want to say insulting, but acting like you're just going to replace those guys at Iowa State, it's not something they've done before. To just have two more guys ready to go, I downplayed how important they were. And, I, and, and we'll see if they can find some people moving forward. All right, let's wrap it up with the uh, the the last game of the day, the ESPN Plus uh, showdown between Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Oklahoma State winning twenty six to thirteen in something of a Big Ten game more than a Big Twelve game. Uh, Joel, I know you watched this one. Uh, what was your uh, one big takeaway? Yeah, I, my wife and I went to the game. We had a fantastic season. It was a great time. Uh, it's always a good time to be in Boone Pickens Stadium. But my biggest takeaway, and this is probably the easiest take, you know, just to talk about Chuba Hubbard. But, man, what he did to that Kansas State defense was something special. What he can do for this offense is special. I've seen it on Twitter, and I, I when I thought of this, I thought it was a hot take, but I've seen people talk about it too. Shuba Hubbard is the best running back that Oklahoma State has had since Barry Sanders. He's that special. He's that generational. He's that transcendent of a running back. And that was apparent last night with him breaking off – multiple 40 yard runs an 84 yard touchdown dragging guys into the end zone at the end of you know toward the end zone at the end of the fourth quarter when he had already had uh 209 you know 285 yards drag guys for the 14 he only did this on 25 carries too, averaged 12 yards a carry and a touchdown as well what he's able to do for this offense is so important because of some of the struggles we've seen from spencer sanders and just the growing up and the development that spencer sanders has to do if chuba hubbard isn't this good or he's not in this offense then I don't think Oklahoma State is 4-1 and one and ranked number 21 in the country at this point. He's that important to this team, and that takes so much pressure off Spencer Sanders. And I think the offense is going to continue to get better. I think Spencer Sanders continues to get better. But what he's able to do right now is a huge reason why I am very high on Oklahoma State for the rest of the season. Andy, what, what's your uh, what should be the takeaway from this one? Yeah, to be honest, I think my biggest takeaway from this one um, – is Kansas State like uh, I mean I I am shocked at how much trouble they had getting anything going offensively you know their their offensive line had seemed to be kind of the biggest strength of the team and it seemed like they weren't really able to get much going um and I I I mean I was shocked I fully expected them you know only 126 rushing yards and then only 118 passing yards um, it seems like a lot of their offense performance was built on the backs of guys that just, or I'm sorry, of playing teams that just don't have very good defenses. 
And, and I think that was always a concern with this team was that, you know, how much of their, of their actual performance could you really count on? Um, I, I think it's, it's safe to say that the defense is still pretty good. Um, yes, Chuba Hubbard had a, you know, phenomenal record-setting game, um, but he's the kind of guy that is going to get his rushing yards regardless. And so the fact that he had almost 300, I mean, we've seen, you know, we've seen that happen several times from multiple different guys in the Big 12. Like, it, someone just goes off, they just go off. There's not a whole lot you can do about that. But in general, the defense seemed to actually play fairly well against the rest of Oklahoma State. Um, so what, what has me worried if I'm a Kansas State fan is just how inept that offense looked um, against, you know, Oklahoma State is supposed to have a decent defense, but not one of the best defenses in the Big 12 this year. Um, I, I'm wondering how much of that was us not accounting for how good of a defense they are given who they've actually played this year so far. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm just worried for Kansas State, you know, as, a, as, an, as, as unbiased as I can possibly be, worried about their ability moving forward when they face any of the, the semi-competent defenses in the Big 12, um, if they're going to be able to get that offense going. Yeah, I can't wait from that game. I, I do think the Oklahoma State defense deserves a lot of credit. But I also think that you, if you watch Kansas State, they just seemed off. You know, I, I think some of the play calling was questionable. Some of the decision-making was, was questionable. And then the, they just they seemed out of sync all night long until the fourth quarter, and, and that you know was too late by then. And even then, some of the decision-making was suspect. I, I just – I didn't – that did not look like the Kansas State offense that, that beat Mississippi State. It did not look like the Kansas State offense. And obviously Oklahoma State's got a better defense than, you know, Nichols and, and Bowling Green, but I'm not sure theirs is that much better than Mississippi State. It might I mean it might be. I don't know how good Mississippi State actually is or they just got, you know, railroaded by Auburn. But that I think the Kansas State offense is better than its performance was on Saturday night, but it better be if if the if we want to see that that three and start wasn't a mirage, because Man, they are going to face better defenses than Oklahoma State's this season. And if all they can muster is 13 points, like I feel bad because their defense did a great job against Oklahoma State and their offense just completely let them down. If they can't find a way to get that offense clicking again, I mean, they're going to be in trouble this week just facing Baylor, who just had a great defensive performance. And if they keep that going, Kansas State could be in for a very long season that's going to stink considering how good of a start it was. All right, man, this was... This was just a weird weekend of college football. You had, you had two blowouts, uh, one interesting game, one game that just was a Big Ten game in the Big 12, which is weird, doesn't happen very often. I think the weekend as a whole, across college football, outside of that near near upset by North Carolina at Clemson, it was just a, kind of a disappointing weekend of college football. I'm really hoping that the that we kind of bounce back next weekend and, and get some more exciting games than we had. Uh, all 10 Big 12 teams are going to be in action. Uh, we'll have our, our big game preview on Wednesday, and of course we'll make picks on Friday. But do us a favor. Uh, make sure and follow the uh, the show at 1012podcast, T in the number 12 the word podcast. And if you want to check out the work that Andy and Joel do, Andy, where can they follow you? Yeah, so you can catch my work over at uh, Rock Chalk Talk. Um, I, I write articles over there, but also at the Land Grant Gauntlet. Um, most of my KU-related thoughts are on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. 
You can follow me at JT Penfield personally. You can follow the main site at Cowboys RFF over Cowboys Ride for Free. We post every day. Podcasts go up on Monday and Thursday, and that's Philip and I talking about Oklahoma State. If you And I have some other work that I do as well, and I'll shamelessly plug that now. I write about the Royals minor league, Kansas City Royals minor league system over at Royals Farm Report, at Royals Farm on Twitter. I also do some baseball scouting work over at 2080 Baseball, which is at 2080Ball, 2080Ball. Guys, I appreciate you guys giving me your time. I hope you enjoyed the weekend, and I look forward to the next one. Sounds good. Thank you, Thank you. Thank Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.